Blog Talk Radio. Amazing. I've been running the show for five years, six years, seven years. I still can't get the damn uh, our damn intro to start. I don't know why. I don't have the slightest idea. Well, you got something going. I got I got we are the champions. I got we will rock you to start. Okay, that's enough of that. That's, uh, that's <laughs> welcome funny. to the show, everybody. <laughs> Seth Cavin, Sean Popper on the Seth and Sean Sports Radio Show. Uh, Backsportspage.com on off Blog Talk Radio. And we were, we were when last week we we dropped off. We stopped with Joe Mauer. We'll get to him in momentarily. But I've got to talk about you know the tough week, the tough weekend that Sean had. His beloved Orange play in a tournament, a basketball tournament, and then have the biggest football game in probably the last 20 years, which I'm really happy that you did not pay the $250 to go watch that abomination. Oh, you did, and I both When did he shut it off? Yeah, I'm sure. I didn't. I, I didn't. I watched the whole game. I, I went to a bar. So let's understand, ladies and gentlemen. First of all, thank you very much. Welcome to the show. Happy Thanksgiving, or at least early Thanksgiving to everybody. Seth and I had actually agreed at the end of last week's show that this week would not talk. We would not talk about either Maryland or Syracuse. We actually made that a promise. We said, "You know what? There's been too much. We've talked way too much about Syracuse and Maryland. That maybe we should give it a rest for a full week." Like that's what that was the goal. The goal was not to talk about Syracuse the entire week for the entire show. And yet here we are. So, I watched the entire game. Did not turn it off. At all. Not once. Uh, I went to a bar. I didn't pay the price for, admission, price for admission, which I'm very happy not to have done. But I did watch the entire game. I watched the field goal clank off at, at the two-minute mark, and then I watched the field goal at the end that, that caused no shutout. Uh, the fact is, Syracuse is now out of the top 25 in both – well, no, in basketball we're out of the top 25. I believe we're still in it in football. And I then, think so. Yeah, so we lost two games in the some classic at Madison Square Garden where I sat through two awful games. Then I saw Syracuse lose in football. But my Jets won. They beat the bye. So I had a good Sunday. And my fantasy team won after it's amazing, and we'll get to the NFL in a second, how much one quarter can change your fantasy league? Because Ben Roethlisberger <laughs> goes into the final quarter with a minus four and exits the game with a plus 17. Like, insane. Um, but that's the way it worked. So, at the end of the day, it was a rough weekend. It's not a weekend that I actually – thought was going to happen. I didn't think that Syracuse would be in the top 15 at the beginning of the season. And as I have been consoling all my fellow Cuse members, if you told me in August that we would be 8-3 and three in the second week of November, third week of November going into Boston College, and we'd have a real shot at a legitimate bowl game. I won't say a New Year's, New Year's bowl game. I think that went out the window with the loss to Notre Dame. But I agree. A legitimate, a legitimate shot at a real bowl game, whether that be the Camping World Bowl game, 
in Orlando, or even the pinstripe bowl. We haven't made a bowl game in five years. So if you told me eight and three in the top 25, I would have called you nuts. So I'm a happy camper. I, 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 I've learned in the last couple of months that you ha- really have to embrace what you have and not necessarily look to what you don't have. And I know this is a foreign philosophy to me, but I'm doing my best to, <laughs> to adhere to it. No, seriously, I mean, look, it's something we should all do. It's something that, as just people, we should embrace what we have. And most people just look at what we don't. So at the end of the day, to quote Mr. Caymans, at the end of the day, we're 8-3. and three, And we're going to a bowl game, one way or another. So I'll, I'll embrace it yep. for what I got. Yeah, and as a Turf fan, I'll bring it up quickly because it was probably the game of the year in college football. That's a tough loss. Um, Nobody expected us to win, but we outplayed Ohio State. And to lose on the right call uh, in overtime, lose 52-51, is heartbreaking. It was the right play to go for two. I had no question. I have no issue with it. you know, our school has been laughed at, but our players have held themselves to very high regard, and this would have gotten them into a bowl game. Now, not a particularly good one, but would have gotten them into a bowl game nonetheless. And Pinstripe Bowl. What would you say? We could have been back playing you in the Pinstripe Bowl. Oh, it would have been great. You and I would have been drunk by 10 a.m. We would have hosted the show from Spam, so it would have been perfect. Um, 10 a.m.? Why well, give ourselves even an hour? I think the, the store's open at 9. Anyway, yeah, but I have I have to get the kid I have to get the kids to the nanny. Oh, that's true. Okay, fine. 10 a.m. Okay, we still may give uh, by 10 a.m. by the pinstripe bowl. By the way, ladies and gentlemen. So, anyway, continuing on. You know what? You everybody. I will tell you one thing. For one day, everybody outside of Ohio was a Maryland fan. For one day, every yep. single person outside of the state of Ohio was a Maryland fan, and uh, we walked. We saw the game, at least the highlights at the bar. We were watching it, and we were like, ah, they couldn't just pull off one more. Now, let's, let's move. You, you said it was the right call. I agree, going for two. Let's go to Car- – let's switch to Sunday because – and we'll, we'll get to baseball free agency. We'll get to Joe Maurer a little bit later. But we're at about – what? we're at week 12, right? So we talked about – which teams are essentially out of it and which teams are basically playing for their lives. And yesterday, a team that I thought wasn't either, they weren't playing for their lives and they weren't out of it, made a really bold call. Ron, look, Riverboat Ron Rivera is down one with a minute three left on the road in Detroit and doesn't go for the game time extra point. Now, granted, uh, Caros or Cazaro, excuse me, their their field goal no, kicker was wasn't exactly Graham Gano. Graham Gano. Graham Gano. Sorry, Graham Gano. They all sound the same. Graham Gano. They're all kickers. Uh, Graham Gano had missed a couple, and he goes for two. Do you agree with that call? No. No, that call was silly to me. The reason that Maryland goes for two is because they are not a better team than Ohio State. In 10 years, you know, they couldn't stop Dwayne Haskins if their life depended on it in the second half. And as a guy, and I'll probably talk about that in my five minutes, my fresh, because Haskins was a Maryland recruit who was going to lead Maryland 
in the DMV movement and then reneged last second um, to go to Ohio State. They're a better team. When you're the better team, I don't care if you're on the road, if you're the better team, you go for overtime, and Carolina is a better team than Detroit. I didn't like the call. Um, I was stunned. You know, Newton had seven seconds to throw the ball, and I was stunned that was the best. He could, that he couldn't run with it. Um, okay, so let's, I would let's not have talk done a it. second. Let's talk a second. So there was a minute three left. This wasn't like the last – this wasn't – this wasn't uh, Ohio State, Maryland, right? This is a minute right. three left. So you tie the game. You're giving Matt Stafford the ball with a minute three, with this year one of the best kickers in the NFL and certainly one of the longest range kickers in the NFL in Matt Prater. Does that go into it at all? No, not really. The score was 20 to 19. It wasn't it wasn't as if Detroit had blown up Carolina's offense all day, to Carolina's defense all day. Um to me, you're 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 built on I mean, look, they're built they have a solid defense. They have a very very good offense. To me, if you're the better team, you play for you play, even if you're on the road, you play to extend that game and win it overtime. <clears throat> I mean, I think it's a, it's a play you can argue. I understand the thought process. Gano would miss his first two kicks of the season. You're on the road. Uh, it's, but I don't I don't buy it. Um, I, I thought it was a silly call. Okay. Well, let's continue down the NFL saga, right? Because we have your New York Giants, who are obviously playing better now. That's not to say that they've played great competition because they certainly haven't. But Eli, I looked this up yesterday. I was shocked by Eli's depth. Shocked. I don't know if you were as well. I mean, look, the guy went what? 17, 18 for 19? Something like With two that. scores and no, no intercept. I mean, he, I think he missed only one pass the entire yeah, game. Yeah, he missed, he missed a wheel route to, to Saquon near the end zone. And that and that was it. Um, yeah, he and Saquon could have caught it. Yeah, it was. Well, that's the thing. Look, regardless, regardless of anything, the biggest issue with the Giants has been the offensive line. Manning has happy feet, can't do anything, and but what's happened is they've changed their offense. It seems like they brought in linemen. <laughs> Sorry, you are. Sean, I can hear no, I can hear ahead. in the background. I, um no, they brought in Jalen Brown um from the Rams who was cut and he for some reason has stabilized that line. Or in the last two weeks Eli's had time. Now, do I still think they need to bring in a quarterback for next year? Yeah, I do. Are they going anywhere this year? No. And Randy Zellia's comment of, you know, following o, o, you know, OBJ's eight in a row, that's not gonna happen. Their defense was a was a bleeping sieve last night, yesterday in the second half, but it, at least they they've been playing hard. That is which they didn't do under McAdoo. So when he has time, he has some decent. You know, Saquon is a stud. OBJ is a stud. They have talent at the prime positions. They just need offensive line, and they need a quarterback to mold, whoever that may be. No, I totally get it, Seth. I mean. Look, Eli who's, is who Eli is, and I think everybody knows that, right? 
So the question is whether yesterday is any indication going forward. And I'll ask you another thing. Right now, the NFC East, with Alex Smith going down, looks like a dumpster fire. Yeah. I mean, you have no idea what, who, what, what. I mean, I mean, the Giants are three and seven, and still in the race. It's a scary thought, but they are. Race. They're well, they're three. They're four games out, three and a half games out. Um, I don't think they're in the race. I look at plus you look at their at their schedule. At the yep. Eagles, home against the Bears. Yep. At the yep. Redskins, home against the Titans. At the Colts, home against the Cowboys. They can lose every single one of those games. I I I don't disagree, but who's taking that division? Is it Colt McCoy and the Washington Redskins? Right now, it's looking like because, the Cowboys because the the Eagles are a dumpster fire, and I mean their performance yesterday was an embarrassment—a straight out, no other words to describe how a defending Super Bowl champion can lose by forty points. The Redskins are playing good defense, and Adrian Peterson looks great. So they're still going to be – and Colt McCoy is just good enough to manage the game to get you some wins. And Dallas has looked better the last two weeks. You know, winning at Atlanta is a good win. Winning against – you know, I forget who they beat last week. Uh, it wasn't – they lost to Tennessee, I think, two and a half, two, uh, three weeks ago on Monday night. They won, But I think they had a good win last week. They beat Atlanta this week. Um I I think right now I would probably favor Dallas. Yeah, they beat the Eagles last week. I would probably favor Dallas. But again, I'm looking at their schedule. The Redskins on Thanksgiving. The Saints. The Eagles. The Colts, which is certainly not, no longer an easy win. Um, the Buccaneers and the Giants to end it. I would probably take – I'm just looking at the, at the Skins schedule. Um, but as of now, just off the top of my head, I would probably lean towards – yeah, the Skins have four four division games the Jaguars at the Jaguars and at the Titans. I'd probably go with the Cowboys right now. I don't think I don't think any team is going anywhere that wins that division. But I'd probably go with the Cowboys because the Eagles just look so dysfunctional. I don't even know where to begin. Well, that's certainly true. And last night said to me that the Saints look at the Saints get home home field advantage, and right now I believe they are. They got two losses, and the Rams have one going into can't well going home tonight to play Kansas City. The Saints get home field advantage, and I don't think anybody's beating that team. I think I said no. that at the beginning of the year, but I'll certainly conclude it again that that team is strong on every facet of the ball. Where it used to be that you they would have to outscore you. Now I don't think that's the case. I think they can legitimately stop teams. Actually, are, New Orleans only has one. New Orleans only has one loss. Oh, they have one loss. Okay, so they, and they have the tiebreaker because they beat the Rams. The Rams, yes. So they have that, and you have to start looking, ladies and gentlemen. At Drew Brees. Drew Brees has never won a Most Valuable Player award. That's very hard to think about, but he has never won one. I think he's in the driver's seat right now. And I, I know you talk about Mahomes. But I, I don't think I don't think Mahomes has it over Drew Brees right now, especially with last night's game. I think right so now it's a two, looking, it's a two-man race for now. 
So if we're looking at teams, and, and we can certainly talk about the Steelers, um, if we're looking at teams that we thought were dead in the water, the Steelers were definitely one of those that I said had to win a game. Also, they were done about five weeks ago, and look where they have come back. You look at certain teams and you say they're just on the wrong trajectory. I look at Minnesota, and I think they are one of those teams. Even though they're only one game out, they're one game, I'm sorry, they're one and a half games out because they have a bye, and they also have lost the tiebreaker right now to Chicago. Chicago looked very good, and if I ever see the name Mitch Treblinski against me in a fantasy league team again, I might as well just take the bye and say I lost. No, not 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 if you have Stephen Stephen Diggs. Just saying, um, yeah, Minnesota has been the biggest disappointment in the NFL this season. The talent is still there, and Cousins is a step up, but the defense just hasn't been as good. And there's no other way to put it. The defense was dominant last year. You know, the two best defenses in football last year were Minnesota and Jacksonville. Jacksonville has been horrendous on a six-game losing streak. And losing a game, I have no idea how they lost yesterday uh, to Pittsburgh. And Minnesota just got outplayed by the Bears. You know, you no one saw the Bears coming this year. They was a year or two away. But bringing Khalil Mack, who in a, you know another year probably will be, along with Aaron Donald, one of the two leaders for Defensive Player of the Year. <sighs> Minnesota has just not lived up to the expectations. Uh, that they said last year and why I picked them to go to the Super Bowl. Whoops. So what do you see for tonight's game? You have, so the, tonight's game, which was supposed to be played in Mexico, was moved back to, uh, to Los Angeles. Kansas City plays against the Rams in L.A., um, obviously an away game for, the, for Kansas City, what it was supposed to be, I believe, an away game for the Rams. Who do you think comes out on top? I know that the Rams are favored by three. I just would bet the over. <laughs> I don't think e- I don't think either defense stops anybody. Um, so it's a fun it's game. To, oh, it'll be. I, I'm not going to be able to see it, unfortunately. But yeah, it'll it would be a blast to watch. Um, I'm actually going this should this should warm your heart. I'm actually going to the Rangers game tonight with the guy with someone who played for the ninety four Rangers. So who? Uh, Mike Hartman. Who is this guy I've become friendly with and just he gets he does a lot of charity work with the Rangers and gets tickets to every game. So we're going to see the Rangers stars tonight. Woohoo! I'd like to say have a good time, but I hope that they lose and lose by a lot. I don't lot. care if the, oh. what do I care well, if they the lose? Stars play the, stars, if the Stars play the way that they played last yesterday against the Islanders, won't be a problem. They'll, they'll beat them with no problem. Rangers are just a bad team. All right, so we're at, the, we're, we're at a little bit past the midway point of the NFL season. Would you like to go back and, and let's redo our picks? So... <laughs> we, we obviously we obviously stink. I think everybody that listens to the show knows that we stink. I think the AFC East we don't have to talk about, right? I mean, it's the Patriots, no. the Patriots, and the Patriots again, right? Okay. Central. 
where you so the Ravens have somehow kept winning, even without Joe Flacco. The Bengals have taken a step back. The Browns have, although they've won a couple of games, certainly are not the toast of the town, which they were in week four, where they thought, oh, we could do more. And Pittsburgh, once again, is Pittsburgh. So is it Pitt, it's Pittsburgh's division to win, right, or lose, yes. in my opinion. Anyway. Yeah. The two-and-a-half game lead with with six to go. What you're doing, I don't think their schedule is very easy going down the stretch. It's Pittsburgh. I don't think there's any question about that. The bigger question is, can the Ravens make the playoffs and keep and John Harbaugh keep his job? What do you think? Can he or can he? I think he's out unless they make the AFC title game, regardless. I think it's just time. I think he's just it's just run its course. Ozzie Newsom's out. Eric DaCosta's coming in. He's going to want to bring in his own coach. And Harbaugh's been there for 11 or 12 years, and they've stagnated. And look, part of it was they paid 30. They they broke the salary cap on Flacco. And mm-hmm. you know, which is something that we discussed five years ago ad nauseum, um, and you know it's proven to be correct. Now my only my only concern is that Lamar Jackson starts when Flacco gets healthy, and that's only from a fantasy perspective in our in our league. Um, you know, since he Marvin Lewis should be gone, but who the heck knows? Uh, Cleveland will hire a new coach. Pittsburgh, you know, I th- my big prediction was Tomlin was going to be fired. That's not going to happen. Well, again, if they end up nine six and one and win a div- win the division and then lose in the first round of the playoffs again, I don't think he'll be fired. But that team really should be going to the Super Bowl, or should be at least an AFC title team this year, AFC championship team this year. Well, John Harbaugh will be the new coach of the Browns. New prediction here. Um, if that if that does happen, and I think you're right. I think that the the Steelers should be going to the playoff, should be going to the AFC title game. I just don't think that they will. Um, so Kansas City still wins the West, and we both like San Diego early. I still like San Diego, even dropping yesterday's game, which you sent me an IM during the day, and you're like, I don't know how that happened. I didn't watch the game. I just saw some I of the did. highlights. But how does San Diego lose to Denver? Tell me, because I, 23-22, doesn't seem like a very San Diego game, especially with the return of Joey Bosa. Well, it was in regards that they missed, a, missed an extra point, because that is the Chargers' way. Oh. But the reality is the Chargers were up the whole game. It just looked like they took the foot off the gas pedal, and surprisingly, Philip Rivers made a couple un- a couple of stupid plays, but this is a game they should have won. They had this easily, and it may keep it may help Brands Vance Joseph keep his job, which I think is in jeopardy. Um, certainly more than his counterpart down in, in Oakland, who is who are struggling at two and eight after a weird win yesterday. Um, but yeah, Kansas City is going to cruise should cruise the division. But if they lose tonight at the Rams, which is certainly possible. You know, they're only one up in the loss column, and they're gonna, these teams are going to play again. So we'll see how that plays out. I mean, interest, the most interesting race is in the East, in the AFC, is in the South. Um, because yes. I cannot believe how good Indiana, Indianapolis is playing. I can't. I have no idea how that's possible because that team has no offensive talent, except for their quarterback. And 
you know, you talk about coming from nowhere. The Texans, you know, win their seventh in a row at Washington. Um, you know, they're maneuvering their way through. The Titans, who can read the Titans? You know, they beat New England by th- by 20 the last two weeks ago. They beat Dallas by 15 the week before that. And then they get whiffed this week So by Indy. Who can read these teams? And Jacksonville was 3-1 and one and looked great, and now they've lost six in a row. I've, but I would say my coach of the year in this division, in this conference, is Frank Reich. Because while I thought Kansas, you know, we thought Kansas City would be decent with Andy Reid, there's no other. I thought Indianapolis would be in the running for the first pick overall. And I did not see this run coming. Well, Andrew Luck has finally started to play like he used to play. And the offensive line has finally gelled. And that was always the hard part with with Indianapolis, and I believe uh, Andrew Luck hasn't been sacked in three games. So if a quarterback hasn't been sacked in three games, that that tells you one of two things. Either they haven't been throwing the ball at all, or the offensive line is working a lot better. And I think it's a little bit of a combination of both. They found Marlon Mack, they found a running game, and the offensive line has gelled and actually played together for the first time in a couple of years because they've been getting hurt nonstop. So you're right. Frank Reich has certainly had a great, had done a great job. I caution you not to in, in the player, in the coach of the year category, not throw out the job that Bill O'Brien is doing in that same division because yes, O'Brien has more talent. They've also, they're also a better team. Houston's played tremendously yesterday winning their seventh game. They're a significantly more talented team than Indianapolis. Great. If if you went position by position, other than quarterback and I guess number two wideout because Demarius Thomas had zero catches last yesterday to the chagrin of Sean and myself, um, Houston is a much more talented team. The India's gut in Tennessee India's gutted their way to five and five, I find really impressive. And I'm just sad now that Maryland has no chance to take to, to get Frank Reich as their head coach for next year. Did you honestly think you had a chance anyway, given that this was his first year in the NFL? Of course not. Not his first year okay. in the NFL. His first year as an NFL head coach. But if he, remember, he was the last of the guy. He was the last of the of the of the last coach uh, hired. And if he was still an Correct. assistant then I could see them making a serious run at him next year. But that won't will not happen. So we right. go to the NFC East. Redskins, Cowboys, Eagles, Giants. You know, I think it's the Cowboys at this point will probably be the small favorite over the Redskins. What are your thoughts? I like the Redskins. Every time that Colt McCoy – look, I, I, Dallas has the most talent. But the Redskins somehow seem to always win, and Colt McCoy is a better quarterback than anybody ever gives him credit for. Is he a legitimate – I could see him pulling out three or four more wins and leading them to the playoffs. I think they have a better schedule than Dallas does going down the stretch. There's a similar schedule, but but a little bit better. And 
I like the Redskins. I think it's going to be tight because none of these teams really do any, really are great. But at the end of the day, I could see it being, a, I think they play in the last game of the season, or at least the second to last game of the season. And you were spouting off the schedule before. I think it could come down to a, a last game scenario where it's a winner take all. And seeing Colt McCoy, look, after the injury to Alex Smith yesterday, which was the, I don't know, one, two, I'm, I'm going through the injuries in my head, probably the third worst injury I've ever seen. And I saw it on replay numerous times. I think Colt McCoy's going to lead this team to the playoffs. I, I really do. So, um, by the way, number one and number two on the injury list, uh, Napoleon McCallum is number one. Yep. Uh, the dislocated, that was my number dislocated one. Knee, dislocated knee on Monday Night Football. And I believe, Seth, and correct me if I'm wrong, it was our first week in college. Yep. Yes, it was. Yeah, right? Okay. So, so Napoleon McCallum was definitely number one. And I believe it was Jason Kendall is number two where he basically stepped on the first base bag and snapped his ankle. His ankle just went the wrong way. I, mm. I was horrified. I was absolutely horrified to see that. And it's not the only time that that's happened, but I, I, I was actually, I believe I was watching it live. I was like, ugh. So Alex Smith was, was a close third. I, I think you have to say that Joe Theismann is probably tied with Alex Smith, given that the exact same day and the exact same injury. And, I, yeah, I mean, it's eerie that the score was the exact same as well. Not sure if you knew that some, yesterday. I actually didn't. It was 20-7 to 7 when he got hurt, when Tysman got hurt. No, the final score, the final score. Final score was the same. final score was the same, uh, except for the fact that the Giants won that game and Washington won this game. But the same, same day, same score – and same field. Not same field, sorry. Not same field, same play. Because, uh... So, okay, so moving on to the uh, to the central. Or the south, if you will, because there really is no central. You have the south and the north. The south with the Saints, who I don't, I don't think there's any question that the Saints are going to take on that division. And the, the Falcons have to be a little bit of a disappointment as well this year. Uh, a lot of offensive talent, especially the, with the importation of uh, Calvin Ridley. The running backs just haven't done the job. Devontae Freeman's been hurt. Tevin Coleman hasn't picked up the slack. And the defense just hasn't been there at all. Yeah, it's you – know, and Dan Quinn was brought in as a defensive guy from Seattle after their uh, Super Bowl appearances – and you're right. They just haven't been good enough. They're four and four, and then they lost to Cleveland, which was unacceptable. And then to lose at home to Dallas, you're you're four and six. You're five out of the out of the division. You're probably two back in the wild card. It's going to be a, a tough run. I don't see it. I don't see it coming for Atlanta this year, which again I find surprising. I have I think I forget if I had them winning the division or just making the wild card. Carolina, you know, despite the bad loss, is still in pretty good shape. Tampa, Dirk Coder's on his way out. I don't think it matters who the quarterback is at this point. Although I did get a good laugh uh, when my de- when Carly saw uh, Ryan Fitzpatrick for the first time and thought he said he looked like a homeless man. 
Um, but not wrong. this is a team that no, not wrong at all. She was a little confused when I told her she he went to Harvard. Um, this is a team that's going no. You know, this 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 is a team that while has talent is just not is going nowhere under this regime. They probably need to need to get out both quarterbacks um, and just reboot from there. I can't imagine anyone's going to sign Winston to a to the contract that he wants. Although he'll get a job somewhere. And Ryan Fitzpatrick, you know, this is why he's been a backup or a journeyman. You know, year is good, year is not so good. Flips back and forth. And or game, you know, last week 400 yards passing, three interceptions. This year, uh, today, you know, three interceptions. Uh, yesterday, one of them a horrible one in the end zone. Um. And Jameis Winston looked great in bringing them back, just not far enough to beat the Giants in East Rutherford. And then the West, you well, I have really a question have for you. <laughs> oh, I have a question for you. Is one of those quarterbacks going to be the next quarterback of the New York football Giants? No. Um, no, although absolutely I don't, not. No, but I don't think the Giants are going to go, are going to draft a quarterback. Um, the, uh, we're hearing more and more that Justin Herbert, who is the only number, who is the only unanimous number one pick, uh, first round pick from the quarterback, it may be going back to Oregon. I think they try and make a. I think they try and make a run at at Teddy Bridgewater down in New Orleans. I would not be surprised. You know, they have two or three third round picks. I wouldn't be surprised if they traded one of them for Bridgewater. Um, well, let's understand. Teddy Bridgewater is on a one-year contract. You don't have to. You don't have to trade anything. Oh, for that's him. right. I forgot he's. A, I forgot he's a free agent after this year. Um, so I think they make a run at him. I think they make. They may take a feeler on Winston to see what they have. But knowing the Giants' bureaucracy up top, I don't think that they're going to want to put up with somebody who's had as many as many issues as he's had over the last over the last several years. I think the Giants I don't think the Giants are gonna and also they're not they're no longer looking at a top two or three pick. They're looking at five right. through ten. And you know when I look at two and eight, okay, Oakland's not getting a quarterback at two and eight. The forty nine see I don't know. The forty ers aren't at two and eight. Arizona's not. Tampa's three and seven. They could very well, but I'm not sure her Again, we don't even know if Herbert's coming out. The Jets aren't. The Bills aren't. The Browns aren't. The Jaguars would. But yep. the Jaguars are also a veteran team. I don't know if they would want to. I, think, I don't know if they would want to go for a rookie. This is a team that probably is in a win-now position. Wouldn't be surprised if they made a run at a veteran quarterback. Not sure who it is, whether it's a Flacco or someone like that. Um. It's just not a good – I wouldn't be – I'd like to see the Jets – the Giants take a Daniel Jones, a Will Greer maybe in the second round. But I don't think they're looking at a, at a quarterback right now, number one. Well, ladies and gentlemen, you know my dream scenario. I don't have to – I don't have to pretend to understand – for you guys not to know. I think the only person that doesn't understand my dream scenario is one Seth Kamen. And that is for the Giants to sign Joe Flacco as their starting quarterback. <laughs> because I would, I, I would be absolute heaven if that happened. And we had to talk every week about how Seth Kamen has to root not only 
Flacco. That would make my day. That would make my Sunday. It wouldn't matter if the Jets won or lost. For Seth to have to root for Joe Flacco would absolutely make my Sunday. Every Sunday. Do you, I think you should probably give a little background for those who haven't listened in the last, who, who didn't listen four or five years yeah. ago about this. Okay, so so Seth and I, well, there's, there's two parts of the story. First of all, when, when Joe Flacco won the, the Super Bowl, as Seth alluded to, uh, he basically, he could write his own check. He was a free agent. He won a Super Bowl. He was 25 years old or 24 years old. And the Ravens basically had to sign him. They had to sign him coming off a Super Bowl win. So they signed him to a $26, $25 million contract. For, and Seth went ballistic. And he went ballistic because he's like, how can a quarterback who sucks be worth $25 million? And he didn't say the word sucks. I believe he said slightly above average, if, if I'm generous. With, yeah, we have about right. Joe, yeah, so we have followed Joe Flacco's career with great, with, with great interest. Then, Seth and I and also remember we have, we have a we also have a lot of listeners from the Baltimore D.C. area. Oh, true. Or Ravenson, true. who gave me a lot of grief on this, if you remember, a lot. Yes. yes. So, and if you'd like to give more grief to Seth, I'm happy to hear it at seven six zero two eight three zero eight four six. So, as it turned out in our first fantasy league this season, well, I drafted Joe Flacco for us. Because I was like, you know what? This is like a double. This is great. First, he's a decent quarterback. We need a decent quarterback. And second, I have to have Seth Root for Joe Flacco, which makes me feel all the better every single week. And I think we've gotten him six out of five out of six years go on our team, to much to Seth's chagrin, and even more so to the chagrin of every Baltimore Ravens fan, because he's earning $25 million. So, ladies and gentlemen, the irony of Seth having to actually root for Joe Flacco as a New York football giant would be tremendous. I would, I would just, I'd be in heaven every Sunday for that to happen. So, anyway, that's where, that's the Joe Flacco scenario. So, okay. So, anyway, Mr. Cammons. So, we've gone through the Mm -hmm. South. We've gone through the north. We've gone through the east and in the west for the for uh, the NFC is the Rams, right? It's the Rams and everybody else. Yeah. All right. All right. So if you had to pick a Super Bowl winner right now, give me a Super Bowl game. Who's in the Super Bowl? Right now, I would probably go. Saints Steelers. Saints Steelers. That would actually be very entertaining. I'd enjoy that game a lot. I mean, more so because the Pats wouldn't be in it. But I'd I'd really enjoy the game. Um, I'll 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 see that. But I'll I'll say that the uh, the Chiefs are in in the Super Bowl with the Saints, which I also think would be a tremendously fun game. But I've said this before. I'll ask you the question again. Do you prefer to see a 40 to 39 game or a 20 to 19 game? 
depends on depends on the game. For a Super Bowl, I'd probably prefer to see a twenty to nineteen game. Um, in a regular season, probably forty to thirty-seven. Okay, because they're more because fun games. More and more, they just don't. Have... More and more, more and more, the NFL is becoming the latter rather than the former. Right? I mean, we can yes. easily establish that. Okay, so let's move on to the, to Major League Baseball. We talked about Joe Maurer a little bit uh, last week. We'll talk about him a little bit this week. Uh, he retired last week. I believe it's 16 seasons with the same team, 2,100 hits, over 2,100 hits, excuse me, uh, three batting titles and MVP, no World Series wins, no World Series appearances, a couple of playoff appearances, but all with the same team. And that's, that's an interesting stat given the fact that in these days, you don't get that very often. We have Bryce Harper talking about moving on. We have Manny Machado already moved on. Clayton Kershaw, I believe, is the longest tenured player on one team. Um, certainly the longest tenured superstar, if I have to think about it. Uh, it was Andrew McCutcheon. McCutcheon got traded to the Giants and then Twice. over to the Yankees. Yeah, Giants and the Yankees. So, Maurer is, is an anomaly, and I know we, we talked briefly about his Hall of Fame credentials last week. Seth, I don't believe there's any way this guy goes to all of fame. I, I don't think he deserves it. I think if he stayed as a catcher, he would have. But he was a mediocre first baseman. He did win one goal glove. But as far as his hitting statistics, definitely mediocre in the first baseman category. Not really an all-star. Lost the MVP credentials. Yeah, he played 16 years. It was really nice to see him. It was really nice to see him not go to the Yankees, who were offering him more money. But Twins Hall, definitely the Twins Hall of Fame, but I'm not sure it's, it, he's a Hall of Fame category. Now, I mean, you know my feelings on Hall of Fame, and this is why I brought him up to you, because he did have a period of time where he was, you know, I want, I want the best of the best in my Hall of Fame. And there was a period of time where he was the best player at his position in the NFL, in, in Major League Baseball for what three or four years. You um, can make the you can make the contention that he was the best player in baseball for three or four years. No, I don't think you can go that to that degree. But I, I would when you, you, when you, you in two thousand and nine he batted three sixty five. Yep, as a catcher, twenty eight yes. home runs and 96 RBIs. He won the MVP. To me, that's the, certainly the best player in the AL. And yes. He could have been the best player in baseball that year. Okay, the year for before one he year. Batted three, the year before he batted 328, he had nine home runs and 85 RBIs. At, again, as a catcher. He finishes the MVP as a four, fourth. Wins a gold glove, wins a silver slugger as a catcher. At age 23, 47. Remember, he won three batting titles, 347, 13 home runs, 84 RBIs. Look, I'm not saying he was definitely the best player, but you can make the case that he was, certainly for one year and maybe for three. 
and and that as I said, it kind of brings an interesting dichotomy to my to the way I do I predict the way that I predict the way people make the Hall of Fame under my book is you needed to be admittedly one of the best players, if not the best player at your position. It's a Hall of Fame, not Hall very good. And for five years, five to seven years, he was if not the best player at his position right there in the conversation. The problem was his he played for another eight years and at that point, you know, he his stat, he went to first base, and his stats, which were phenomenal for a catcher, were just not great for a first baseman. And his contract was onerous, to say the least. I I think he's an extraordinarily likable. He's someone easy to root for. And if there's a Twins Mount Rushmore, he belongs on it. But I agree, he's not a Hall of Famer in my mind. Just not long enough at that at that high level at that position. Yeah, it sounds good. I mean, I, I just, I just don't. He, he's on the Rushmore for Twins. Look, you and I talk about this. You and I and Devontae have talked about Rushmores for teams. I think if you're making a Twins Rushmore, it's him, it's Kirby, Harmon Killebrew. If I'm going to pick a fourth one, you're going either Kent Herbeck. Yeah, it's probably Ken Herbeck or Tom. No, not even Bernanski. It's Ken Herbeck. I was gonna, no, or, I w- or, or, was, or Tom Kelly. Actually, well, I'd say Tom Kelly, or if not, maybe Johan Santana. True. That may be. That may be. But yes, that. that but so he's on it. Like it's your your third, your fourth guy is not a decision between Joe Mauer and somebody. Joe Mauer's on it. So if you want to put four guys on a on a Mount Rushmore, he's definitely in the Twins Hall of Fame, but he's not in the Hall of Fame, in the Baseball Hall of Fame, by any stretch to me. If he had stayed as a catcher, he certainly would be. He's just not a catcher. He, he played more games at first base and DH than he did as catcher, and that eliminates him from that discussion. What's interesting with baseball free agency this past, this past week is reports are coming out that there are several teams that you would think would be contenders for selling off, including the Seattle Mariners, who hold the longest postseason drought. And they were well in it last year, and now they're seems like they're selling off. John Paxton, they may not sign Nelson Cruz. They made a trade to get a, a, a center fielder from uh, Tampa Bay Tampa Bay Bucks. Well, Tampa Bay Bucks may as well be playing baseball because they're playing just as poorly in football. Um, it seems like the haves and the have-nots are becoming a bigger issue. And to me, that, that means labor strife. Do you think that this is a problem, or do you think that this will just rectify itself like it always does? I think this will just rectify itself like it always does. The Yankees will always be the Yankees. The Yankees will always be the Yankees. Red Sox will be the Red Sox, and every once in a while you get a Twins or you get a Royals, but the the dynamic of baseball is what it is today. Yeah, I mean, I think a better way, you know, you know, yeah, the Yankees and the Red Sox, but look, you have teams like Baltimore who are willing to spend. They just don't know how. You know, but yeah, for all intents and purposes, it's the Yankee, Yankees and the Red Sox 
the Rangers are willing to spend, but they've been awful. Um, you know, National League, Washington's willing to spend. Philly's willing to spend. San Francisco, the Do- well, Dodgers are a level above, are all willing to spend. You have the eight to ten teams that will spend, and the other teams will not. But there has to be success that correlates with it. And with Boston, there has been. With the Yankees, there's been some, not not much recently, but some. But you know, the Orioles, there's been, it's been it's been a dumpster fire. So it's not only just spending; it's spending it correctly. Which is a team that spends this winter, in your opinion? That's the surprising team. Who who's the one that? There's always one one contract or two contracts. Last year was Eric Cosmer with San Diego. That comes out of nowhere, and you're like, whoa! Even Texas when they did it with A. Rock. You were like, whoa, they came out of left field. We thought he was going to the Red Sox or the Yankees or even back to Seattle. What is your team that comes out of left field with a surprising offer to somebody? And I don't mean surprising offer and they fail. I think Colorado. Because Arenado is going to be a free agent, I believe, next year. Yes. If they're going to make, if they're going to make a run, this is the year. If you're going to be able to keep Arenado and you're going to be able to, you're going to lose uh, Lamayu, and but they have they have Brendan Rodgers, they have some they have some pitching. You know they made the wild card this year. I think they made it last year too, and they've always been that player away. To whether because the starting pitching has always been extraordinarily difficult to bring in. To me. That is a team that has the money, and if they're going to make, if they're going to, if there's ever a year you're going to spend it, I think this is it. So I go with because this is a year where you look at the National League, the Dodgers got hot at the right time, but don't scare anybody. Milwaukee is still has no starting pitching. The Cubs are, you know, they're looking to trade Chris Bryant. They're all over the place. This is a year the National League is up is up is up for you know is up for grabs. This is where I think Colorado makes their run, makes takes their shot. Excuse me. Colorado is is a is an interesting situation. I think I think you have a point there in the fact that they've always tried to take their shot and never. You talk about spending and spending incorrectly, right? They've always tried Penny to take Nagel. their shot and they've always failed. Well, I can name three guys off the top of my head. Two of them are pitchers, Na- and one of them is a hitter. Nagel and Mike Hampton. I don't know who the third is. Nagel and Mike Hampton, and two years ago, they tried to make Ian Desmond a first baseman from being an outfielder and then being a second baseman and being a jack-of-all-trades, and they gave him a, I believe it was a six-year and $72 million contract to play a position he had never played before, and that has totally turned black totally turned on the back end. And here you have Charles Blackman, who they just re-signed. Look, top to bottom, that team is solid. They're going to lose some players like Carlos Gonzalez, who took up $8 million. They'll have some money to spend. I don't think there's a shot that they re-signed Arenado. I hope they do, but I don't think there's a shot. Again, agent, Scott Boris, not going to stay there. Going to go somewhere else. Hopefully to my New York Mets, but that's just a whole different story. But the fact is, I don't think that the, that he's going to resign. So you're right. This is a one-shot deal. This is a one-year deal. And their pitching finally has held up substantially enough that they made a run this year. 
end with Kyle Freeland, who they did not anticipate being as good as he was. Their closing situation with Wade Davis, spot on. Okay, so what team that's very, very rich is going to send it out, if any? Any of the six to eight teams that we mentioned before. So Philly, Baltimore, New York, and I don't include the Mets in there. Red Sox, Dodgers, Cubs, any of them, okay. any of them sit it out? Baltimore, Baltimore sitting it out because they're going nowhere right now. So to spend, to spend monstrously doesn't make sense. Because this is, this is a team that lost 115 games. Um, the Red Sox are going to re-sign Kimbrell. I don't think they're going to make a major run at anybody else because they have to pay David Price the next four years of $30 million a year. The Yankees are going to make a run at everybody. Houston, I don't think is going to – they may make a run at a, at a secondary pitcher if they don't re-sign Charlie Morton because they're going to lose uh, Dallas Keuchel as well. The Cubs will make a run at players. I don't think the Dodgers have much to make a run at. They're going to let Machado leave. I don't know who else they need um, or who's going to be out there. Where's it fit? They're not going to trade for Goldschmidt. Um, I, I think Baltimore leaves it alone. I wouldn't be surprised if the Dodgers kind of stayed somewhat somewhat stagnant. Um, not really from a from a financial standpoint. I don't think they care. But from a, I don't see I don't see them signing a big name because they're disgusted with Machado. So. Um, that's where I would probably go with it. That's fair. I think you're right on all accounts, which, wow, I just said. It's unusual. Right <laughs> yeah, it's extremely unusual. Okay, we got our last five minutes, so I'll let you go first. Um, I did, as I said, as I said earlier today, you know, I want to give props to my Terps football team. Um, this is a team, you know, their their player died. The administration acted ridiculously. The coaching staff acted ridiculously. It's been an embarrassment to our university, but the one thing that has not embarrassed my university have been the players who have played hard, you know, main, you know, maintained dignity in a time where they it would have been very easy for them not to. And it really would have been gratifying to all Maryland fans to see them beat Ohio State, a game they should have won. And you know, now they're five and six. They're going to play Penn State. They're probably going to lose and not going to go to a bowl game, which is which is sad because this is a team that beat Texas, should have beaten Ohio State, and is really representing themselves way better than anyone else related to the university has. Even the, even the people that backed them, you didn't see them going to the games as fans. It was just an excuse to, to protest you know, Wallace Lowe and, and Dirk and all these guys. And, you know, look, I'm a Maryland fan. I want to see them do well, but I'm really proud of how they've handled themselves in, against, in this adversity. And I hope the coach that they bring in, whoever, whoever that is next year, is able to take that momentum, you know, to, is able to, you know, just goes what does well with, the, with this team. Because I think this team is, is, is earned a lot more respect than they've probably got from an individual standpoint than they have national than they've received nationally, where it's been ridicule, and that should have nothing to do with the players. That should be strictly based on the, the ridicule should be on the administration, the athletic director, and our and our former head coach. There you go. So again, I totally agree with Seth. It's it's, it's a scary day in, in Seth and Sean's sports world. 
uh, in the fact that he's right. But what what happens off the field generally affects the players. But at the end of the day, they're not the ones that did anything. And this takes place in recruiting. This takes place in violations. This takes place in suspensions and sanctions all across the NCAA where you actually see teams getting fined, teams getting suspended, teams getting not able to participate in uh, after-season uh, tournaments like the NCAA tournaments or the bowl games. And at the end of the day, it's the players themselves that did absolutely nothing wrong. But they're the ones that feel the, the, they're the ones that feel it. So, yes, that's correct. Uh, good on the players. Absolutely. Okay, so we didn't talk about this at all this week. I'm kind of glad because it gave me my last three minutes. So you can tune in on Friday, this Friday, and watch a tremendous golf match between Phil Mickelson and Tiger Woods. Right. And the winner is going to take home $8 million. That's that's the pot. Or you could tune in on Friday and watch just about anything else in the world. Because there is no interest from this gentleman, and from it sounds like this this program, to watch Phil Mickelson play Tiger Woods. I won't watch it. If somebody's watching it, I'll just go in another room. Because I think it's garbage. It's garbage. It's, it's betting for betting's sake. Look, if you want a perfect place to lay a wager. This is it. It's one-on-one. Go for it. There'll be lots and lots of side bets, I'm sure. I mean, even Mickelson and Tiger have talked about how they're going to bet on every single hole. Well, good for them. That sounds amazing for them. Just not amazing for us. I just don't I don't want to see any more of it, so I hope you're not watching it. Okay. A very happy Thanksgiving to all of our fans, to Seth from Seth and myself, and two Seth from me. Remember, be thankful for what you have. Don't necessarily, you don't need what you don't, but be thankful what you do have. Okay, everybody, we'll see you next Monday. Have a happy Thanksgiving, and hopefully, oh, please, Josh McCown and Sam Darnold, please don't fumble it by running into somebody's butt this weekend. That would be helpful from this. I was, I was right. just thinking of that. It is the three-year anniversary, the five-year anniversary of the butt fumble. Uh, good times. Yeah, good cops. All right, buddy. (laughs) Have a good one. Happy Thanksgiving. Gobble, gobble, everybody. Bye-bye.